0: Welcome to the World War II radio podcast. This week we have Winston Churchill's address to the British people following the invasion of the Soviet Union by Nazi Germany. He delivered it on June 22nd, 1941, just hours after the attack. Operation Barbarossa, as it was called by Germany, was a surprise attack on Russia designed to quickly conquer the communist nation, despite the fact that the two countries had signed a non aggression pact in 1939. In his speech, Churchill promises support to the Russian people to fight the Nazis. Eventually, after years of fighting and millions dead, the USSR would defeat the Germans on the Eastern Front and advance all the way to Berlin. That, of course, is a story for many future episodes. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also support the show by clicking on the link in the show notes and offering your financial support. Your donations help us to continue to produce the podcast, and thanks to those of you who have already donated. So thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. I have taken occasion to speak to you tonight
1: because we have reached one of the climacterics of the war. In the first of these intense turning points, a year ago, France fell prostrate under the German hammer, and we had to face the storm alone. The second was when the Royal Air Force beat the Hun Raiders out of the daylight air, and thus warded off the Nazi invasion of our island while we were still armed. and ill-prepared. The third turning point was when the President and Congress of the United States passed the Lease and Lend enactment devoting nearly 2,000 million sterling of the wealth of the new world to help us defend our liberties and their own. Roads were the three The fourth is now upon us. At four o'clock this morning, Hitler attacked and invaded Russia all his usual formalities of perfidy were observed with scrupulous technique a non-aggression treaty had been solemnly signed and was in force between the two countries no complaint had been made by germany of its non-fulfillment under its cloak of false confidence, the German army drew up in immense strength along a line which stretched from the White Sea to the Black Sea. And their air fleets and armored divisions slowly and methodically took up their station. Then suddenly, without declaration of war, without even an ultimatum. The German bombs rained down from the sky upon the Russian cities. The German troops violated the Russian frontiers and an hour later the German ambassador who killed a night before was lavishing his assurances of friendship almost of alliance upon the Russians called upon the Russian foreign minister to tell him that a state of war existed between Germany and Russia. Thus was repeated on a far larger scale. The same kind of outrage against every form of signed compact and international faith which we have witnessed in Norway, in Denmark, in Holland, in Belgium, and which Hitler's accomplice and jackal Mussolini so faithfully imitated in the case of Greece. All this was no surprise to me. In fact, I gave clear and precise warnings to Stalin, of what was coming. I gave him warnings, as I have given warnings to others before. I can only hope that these warnings did not fall unheeded. All we know at present is that the Russian people are defending their native soil, and that their leaders have called upon them to resist to the utmost. Hitler is a monster of wickedness, insatiable in his lust for blood and plunder. Not content with having all Europe under his heel, or else terrorized into various forms of abject submission, he must now carry his work of butchery and desolation among the vast multitudes of Russia and of Asia, the terrible military machine which we and the rest of the civilized world so foolishly, so supinely, so insensately allowed the Nazi gangsters to build up year by year from almost nothing, this machine cannot stand idle, lest it rust or fall to pieces. It must be in continual motion, grinding up human lives and trampling down the homes and the rights of hundreds of millions of men. Moreover, it must be fed, not only with flesh, but with oil. So now this bloodthirsty gutter snipe must launch his mechanized armies upon new fields of slaughter, pillage, and devastation. Poor as are the Russian peasants, workmen, and soldiers, he must steal from them their daily bread. He must devour their harvests. He must rob them of the oil which drives their plows, and thus produce a famine without example in human history and even the carnage and ruin which is victory should he gain it he has not gained it yet will bring upon the Russian people will it be only a stepping stone to the attempt to plunge the four or five hundred millions who live in China and the three hundred and 50 million who live in India into that bottomless pit of human degradation over which the diabolic emblem of the fresh speaker flaunts itself. It is not too much to say here this summer evening that the lives and happiness of a thousand million additional human beings are now menaced with brutal Nazi violence. That is enough to make us hold our breath. But presently I shall show you something else that lies behind and something that touches very nearly the life of Britain and of the United States. The Nazi regime is indistinguishable from the worst features of communism it is devoid of all theme and principle except appetite and racial domination it excels all forms of human wickedness in the efficiency of its cruelty and ferocious aggression no one has been a more consistent opponent of communism than I have for the last twenty-five years. I will unsay no word that I've spoken about it. But all this fades away before the spectacle which is now unfolding. The past, with its crimes, its follies, and its tragedies, flashes away. I see the Russian soldiers standing on the threshold of their native land, guarding the fields which their fathers have killed from time immemorial. I see them guarding their homes where mothers and wives pray. Ah yes, for there are times when all pray for the safety of their loved ones, for the return of the breadwinner, of the champion, of their protector. I see the ten thousand villages of Russia where the means of existence was wrung so hardly from the soil but where there are still primordial human joys where maidens laugh and children play I see advancing upon all this in hideous onslaught the Nazi war machine with its clanking, heel-clicking Dandified Prussian officers, these crafty, expert agents, fresh from the cowing and tying down of a dozen countries. I see also the dull, drilled, docile, brutish masses of the Hun soldiery, plodding on like a swarm of crawling locusts. I see the German bombers and fighters in the sky, still smarting from many a British whipping, were delighted to find what they believe is an easier and a safer prey. And behind all this glare, behind all this storm, I see that small group of villainous men who plan, organize, and launch this cataract of horrors upon mankind. And then my mind goes back across the years to the days when the Russian armies were our allies against the same deadly foe, when they fought with so much valour and constancy, and helped to gain a victory from all share in which, alas, they were through no fault of ours. cut out. I have lived through all this. And you will pardon me if I express my feelings and the stir of old memories. But now I have to declare the decision of His Majesty's Government. And I feel sure it is a decision in which the Great Dominions will, in due course, concur. But we must speak out now, at once, without a day's delay. I have to make the declaration. But can you doubt what our policy will be? We have but one aim and one single irrevocable purpose. We are resolved to destroy Hitler and every vestige of the Nazi regime. From this nothing will turn us. Nothing. We will never parley We will never negotiate with Hitler or any of his gangs. We shall fight him by land, we shall fight him by sea, we shall fight him in the air, until, with God's help, we have rid the earth of his shadow and liberated its people from his yoke. Any man or state who fights against Nazism will have our aid. Any man or state who marches with Hitler is our foe. This applies not only to organized states, but to all representatives of that vile race of Quislings who make themselves the tools and agents of the Nazi regime against their fellow countrymen and against the lands of their birth. These Quislings, like the Nazi leaders themselves, if not disposed of by their fellow countrymen, which would save trouble, will be delivered by us on the morrow of victory to the justice of the Allied tribunals. That is our policy, and that is our declaration. It follows, therefore, that we shall give whatever help we can to Russia and to the Russian people. We shall appeal to all our friends and allies in every part of the world to take the same course and pursue it, as we shall, faithfully and steadfastly to the end. We have offered to the governments of Soviet Russia any technical or economic assistance which is in our power and which is likely to be of service to them. We shall bomb Germany by day as well as by night in ever-increasing measure, casting upon them month by month a heavier discharge of bombs, and making the German people take and gulp each month a sharper dose of the miseries they have showered upon mankind. It is noteworthy that only yesterday the Royal Air Force, fighting inland over France, cut down with very small loss to themselves 28 of the Han fighting machines in the air above the French soil. They have invaded, defiled, and professed to hold. But this is only a beginning. From now, henceforward, the main expansion of our Air Force proceeds with gathering speed. In another six months, the weight of the help we are receiving from the United States in war materials of all kinds, especially in heavy bombers, will begin to tell. This is no class war. This is a war in which the whole British Empire and commonwealth of nations is engaged without distinction of race, creed or party. It is not for me to speak of the action of the United States. But this I will say. If Hitler imagines that his attack on Soviet Russia would cause the slightest division of aim or... uh, lasting of effort in the great democracies who are resolved upon his doing is woefully mistaken. On the contrary, we shall be fortified and encouraged in our efforts to rescue mankind from its tyranny. We shall be strengthened and not weakened in our determination and in our resources. This is no time to moralize upon the follies of countries and governments which have allowed themselves to be struck down one by one when by united action they could so easily have saved themselves and saved the world from this catastrophe but when I spoke a few minutes ago of Hitler's bloodlust and the hateful appetites which have impelled or lured him on his Russian adventure I said there was one deeper motive behind his outrage he wishes to destroy the Russian power because he hopes that if he succeeds in this he will be able to bring back the main strength of his army and air force from the east and hurl it upon this island which he knows he must conquer or suffer the penalty of his crimes. His invasion of Russia is no more than a prelude to an attempted invasion of the British Isles. He hopes, no doubt, that all this may be accomplished before the winter comes, and that he can overwhelm Great Britain before the fleets and air power of the United States will intervene he hopes that he may once again repeat upon a greater scale than ever before that process of destroying his enemies one by one by which he has so long thrived and prospered and that then the scene will be clear for the final act without which all his conquests would be in vain namely the subjugation of the western hemisphere to his will and to his system Russian danger is therefore our danger and the danger of the United States just as the cause of any Russian fighting for its heart and home is the cause of free men and free peoples in every quarter of the globe. Let us learn the lessons already taught by such cruel experience. Let us redouble our exertions and strike with united strength while life and power remain